had a very busy year. In 2020, has 2022 just flown by for anybody else? I mean, it has gone by. And I'm so excited to wave by at it. But it was so, so busy. It was filled with wonderful things. It was also filled with, with heartbreaking things and loss. But as I look back, there are things that I, I, I like to count things. I, I, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm a counter. I like statistics. I like facts. And, and so I, I've asked uh, our staff and, and uh, one of our, our tech, uh, our, our communication director, Miss Megan, to help me put together some, some things about Christ's legacy that we can count. I think that some of you should know about this, and I think that you can read some of your New Year's resolutions based on some of the things that we can count, like the fact that we ate 4,368 donuts <laughs> in 2022. I, I want to say thank you to Jared and Rebecca for helping us with those, eat those donuts. Appreciate you guys. We, that's donuts. We had 1,872 donut holes. And I think that my, my kids ate about 200 of those. We had 312 gallons of coffee. We had 108 services, 1,248 check-ins in Legacy Kids, 567 check-ins for nursery, 25 new volunteers, 20 new members, two new staff members. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Awesome. Six stage lights. This doesn't, they have to put so many lights to make me presentable, it's not even funny. I'm surprised you don't see through me. We, believe it or not, we have to buy a washer and dryer for everything that we do around here. Two projectors, five computers, one Nord Stage 3 keyboard. It's back behind this, this upright piano. We, one antenna combiner. I'm not even exactly sure what it does, but it's really important. <laughs> One wireless mic for the kids, two video matrixes. Again, I have no idea, but we've got to have it in order to run church. Four TVs, one additional office space for staff members. Pastor Henry has to get a new office because we have new staff members. Uh, uh, back to school bash, we had 284 people for back to school that took a backpack home. These are kids that walked away from it with a backpack for school because of you. We did that. We had the Harvest Fest for, with 524 people. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And we're not even completely sure about that number because we're pretty sure that about 10 people had SpongeBob outfits on. <laughs> Have no idea. We celebrated as a church the life of 11 people with their funerals or memorials. We had six communion services, 27 baptisms. Our lead pastor retired, and we love him very much. And, our, and we hired a new lead pastor and we're still not sure about him. <laughs> so many things, so many things that we accomplished, that we saw, that we did together in 2022. And that's the stuff that was easy for us to count. 
But there's so much more that's so, so difficult to understand, to count. Like, like the number of hours spent in preparation for children's ministry. Pastor Bobby might be able to count that, actually. <laughs> or the, the number of people that had a decision, that made a decision for the Lord and really stuck with it. That's hard to count. Or, or, or the number of, of life rededications or, 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 or the number of lessons learned because they leaned in and really got what God had for them that day. Those are things that we have trouble counting or even estimating, but we know as a church, we're busy. We were busy. We feel busy. But I want you to know that as we turn the page and turn the calendar in 2023, that we're going to be about the Father's business. And that God has something more in 2023 for Christ's Legacy Church. That we're going to accomplish more. We know one thing is for sure, Christ's Legacy, that we are busy giving people faith, hope, and love. Amen? And we're already planning 2024, actually. <laughs> because that's just how the way the way things work right now. But as we go into the month of January, I have a, a brand new series that we're coming out with called All Things New. Turn to your neighbor and say, All Things New. All Things New. And it's not because, it's not because everything that you see is going to be new, because that's not what All Things New is. All Things New focuses on who we are as individuals and who we are as a church. And that I believe that God is coming to make us new from the inside out. That we are new creations. And that this year is going to be CLC's best year yet. Amen? Yes. Amen. So, there, so as we look into New Year, many of us sit down and, and begin to make New Year's resolutions. And, and some of, uh, I've had some people already today tell me that New Year's resolutions are uh, uh, not a part of their religion, okay? So I recognize that a lot of people don't like to make New Year's resolutions because they feel like it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't do any good uh, to make the resolution. But I also know that many of you really enjoy making New Year's resolutions. I, I have to admit, I'm one of those people that really enjoy making New Year's resolutions, even though not all of them stick, because I, I love the idea of going into something new, of a fresh start, of a clean start, and challenging myself to grow closer to Christ. Grow, grow, grow closer to my family and my church. And so as, as I look at the statistics for New Year's resolutions, uh, I've got to share with you something that 44% of you uh, statistically made your New Year's resolution, decided on it last night. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so you might have been sitting around thinking about what you needed to do and maybe irritated at yourself all year for not doing what you feel like you should have been doing. And last night you made a decision. Well, by this year, I'm going to start doing whatever it is. But unfortunately, statistically, some of you have already failed. <laughs> We're not even at noon yet. So we can probably go and count the number of donuts and see who's... Never mind. That's all right. That's a different, different message. But don't worry, you're in good company because by February, statistically, 31% of the other individuals will have already failed their resolution by, by February. 
But that's okay. That's okay. Uh, oh, excuse me. That, that was the incorrect statistic. Um, 81% will fail by February. <laughs> so you're in really good uh, connection with other people. And the top four New Year's resolutions, and you probably have guessed them because there's some of our own, uh, eating better, uh, losing weight, exercising more, and saving money. And those are really important things to do normally. But, but as people of God, I, I, I pray and I hope that your New Year's resolution doesn't just stop right there with those big four. But instead, it, it continues on to your spiritual person that you have a New Year's resolution that you grow closer to the Lord this year. Amen? As a matter of fact, as people of God, our daily resolution, not a new year, but a new day resolution, is that we grow closer to God day by day. So as you turn in your Bibles to our text this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, I want to share with you what Paul said, how you can keep your New Year's resolutions. Well, at least the ones that have to do with growing closer to God day by day. And as you're turning in your Bibles, or you can follow us also on, on the Bible app, simply go to the Bible app, click, click on menu, and you'll find events there. You can click on events. If you have your location services set up, you can uh, tap on Christ's Legacy Church. It'll come right up. You can follow our notes online with you. And you even have a place to take notes right there in that app. Or if you'd like to, there's a piece of paper in front of you. It's an offering uh, envelope. You can take notes right on the back of that. You always have it. I believe that note takers are history makers. So uh, take, take some notes this morning and, and uh, really dive into what the Lord is sharing with you through this message. First, before we dive into the passage of Ephesians chapter 4, verse, starting in verse 21, I want to share a little bit of background information with, uh, with you about Ephesians. Now, the Apostle Paul was writing Ephesians, a, a letter to the church of Ephesus, from a jail cell. But what's unique, there's two really unique things about this, this letter. First, you, you need to know this, that this, even though it was addressed to the church in Ephesus, this was what we call a, a, a circular letter. So although the, the address is to Ephesus, there was an expectation that that after they stopped at Ephesus with the letter, that the, the church in Ephesus would share this throughout other churches, other communities, so that they would know what's going on, what Paul had to say while he was in prison. The second thing you need to understand about this is that this is Paul's only letter to the churches that wasn't directly dealing with any kind of content, uh, conflict whatsoever. And so the great thing is, is that this is all about, uh, uh, this is all about dealing with how to live a good Christian life. He had all his time just to go through and, and, uh, and line out how we can live closer to Christ. So as the, um, uh, uh, this letter is sent to Ephesus, and whenever you hear Ephesus, 
think of a city like New York or, or Los Angeles. This is the type of city right there on, on the coast uh, uh, of the sea. It's a major shipping area. Uh, the Romans used it. It was known for its theater. And so every kind of sin was present. Every kind of trade was present. But the people of God there in Ephesus was, were vibrant and alive and growing. And one of the ways that they were growing was through their small group program. Yes, believe it or not, Ephesians had a small group, uh, group program, and they were meeting each other's, meeting in each other's houses and, uh, and spending time with each other, sharing meals together. And it was just an organic and vibrant church that was growing in that area. And so when Paul sat down to think about what it would be important for this, for this upstart church that was just blowing up, what was important for them to know? And he wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Today, I want to talk to you about what Paul told the church in Ephesus and what I believe that Paul would tell the church today, that we can put off the old nature and put on the new nature by changing the way we think, by renewing our mind. So let's talk about the old self for a second. Does anybody know what uh, your old self looked like? <laughs> Some of you are like, well, when I look in the mirror, <laughs> I'm reminded what my old self looks like. I'm not talking about that, okay? I am talking about the old nature after you, uh, before you were saved. Many of you may not even remember what the old nature looked like because uh, it was so long ago. You were, you've been saved most of your life. And, and as you look back on your life, it's hard for you to remember that, that long ago. But many of you may have been saved this past year. And praise God that you, new, uh, that, that you have. And so, so we have a, a very diverse body of, of believers here that some have been saved all their life. Some of you have only been saved for a short while. But, but if you can look back, it's important for each one of us to remember how we lived before we were saved. You say, Pastor John, why in the world will we want to look back and remember how we were? Shouldn't the old ways die? yes. But I think it's important to remember because that's your testimony. Who you were before Christ is, is who other people are now. And you and I have the opportunity to share with people what changed about our life. For some of you, there were huge changes that happened in your life. As you think about what God has delivered you from, just a few verses before and Verse 17, Paul shares what the old nature used to look like. He reminded people that they had hardened their hearts, and they had hardened their minds, that they were not sensitive to the Holy Spirit any longer, and they, they gave themselves over to, to every sensuality. To, they gave themselves over to, to the ideas that 
uh, that couldn't be satisfied in the physical nature. And that their lustful desire was the driving force behind who they were and what they did. You know, if you think about our culture today, it kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? That, that people today are driven by their lust, their greed. They're driven by sexuality. They're driven by, uh, really, by rage. And they can't control it. And, and you've, never, you've never walked up on somebody and said, I've had enough of, of that. I've had enough money. Thank you very much. Or I've, I've had, I've had a, a, enough sensuality in my life. Thank you. No more. That, you don't hear that because this kind of behavior and this kind of drive can never be satisfied. That's why it's so important to understand that our relationship with Christ is so special because Christ is the only way that you and I can be satisfied in our lives. And Paul is, is telling the church, remember what it used to look like? Remember how you used to act? Remember what you used to feel like? So I want to ask you this. Do you feel like right now you're living your best life for Christ? Do you, do you feel like right now that you are completely satisfied in him? Or do you feel like right now there are desires in your life, desires in your heart that are driving you towards something that, that isn't Christ, that isn't Christ-centered. Things that, that you have a, a lust or a passion for that's not based in Christ. Are you living like a Christian ought to live? See, Paul is saying that we have to stop living like we used to live and start living like we know we should. Now, that's pretty clear. It's pretty evident. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that when we are saved, we ought to live like we're saved and not continue the way that we, that we have been living. But, but as, as we grow and mature in Christ, sometimes time goes and we start going back to the old ways. We accidentally fall back into the rut, into a pattern of behavior that, that actually doesn't lead us to Christ, but it leads us away from Christ. Oh, so subtly. We stop spending time with him or, or his people. We, we, we stop honoring him with the giving of our tithes and offering. We, we stop, um, we stop uh, uh, volunteering at church. We, we, we stop praying. We, 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 we stop leading our family in prayer, leading our family in Bible study. We, we stop doing all of these things that, are, that drive us to Christ. And when we stop those things, other behaviors, other competing passions and lusts fill those gaps and we start doing something else. And Paul is saying that we have to stop living that way and start living like we know we're supposed to live. Now, it sounds kind of basic, but it is. And it's because the basic things are the most important things, like reading your Bible. Now, I am a firm believer of reading the Bible. Turns out your pastor likes to read the Bible. That's good. 
But as a believer, it's not just the pastor that should read the Bible, but we should be a congregation where God's word saturates our hearts, where we, we make it a priority to open his word every day and allow it to soak and seep into who we are so that it will make a change and a difference. I don't know how that works exactly. I'm going to be honest. Some of that is just a supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit as he opens your eyes and reveals to you what, his, what truth is. That's a wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit partners with us as we discover his word. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit teaches us as we reflect on his word. I want to challenge you. If you've never, if you've never been a, a, a Bible study person, this is the first day of this year. And that means that you still have time to get on track. So maybe a, a, a beginner Bible study might be uh, doing the four gospels over a year, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe an intermediate Bible study for, for you would be to read through the, the New Testament. But a challenge Bible study would be to challenge yourself to read through the entire Bible this year. And I promise you if, you, if you take this challenge, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it to your life and to, to every life that your life touches because the word of God doesn't just stay in you, but it, it comes out of you when you least expect it. People come to you with a problem and, and you used to respond one way and now all of a sudden your words are, 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 are coded in grace and in patience. I mean to tell you, whenever I'm in my Bible or I'm reading and my kids do something crazy, my natural reaction is not to quote the Bible. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I find myself having peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And I'm like, where did that come from? That's not me. Well, yeah, it's the Lord. And you'll find yourself doing this too. I want to encourage you to do that. And if you get off track, so what? Get back on track. Just read and allow God's word to fill that area of your spirit. I want to ask you, do you feel his presence? The old self didn't feel his presence, but the new self should. But there may be some people in this place right now that say, well, Pastor John, I know I'm a Christian, but for some reason it... I haven't felt his presence in a very long time. I don't know what to do. I don't know how, how to do that. I don't know how to get excited about worship any longer. I, I want to share this with you. When we pray and fast as a people of God, you'll begin to feel his presence. It's a guarantee. Amen. If you've never participated in prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting will, will bring God's presence into your life. You'll feel it, I promise you. Try it. But it's normal not to feel God's presence at times. As a matter of fact, people in God's word didn't feel God's presence at, the, at times. As a matter of fact, Jesus had a moment at a time where he didn't feel God's presence. And I want to tell you something. As a believer, we go through times that are trying and difficult. But there's also times of refreshment and renewal and I'm so glad to tell you today that this is going to be a time of refreshment and renewal. Amen? Maybe you have a problem with sensual desires. 
Maybe it's difficult to be left alone with your phone because you, 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 you gravitate towards certain websites that you shouldn't be on. Maybe you, you, you have a hard time changing your sense of humor around the office and around the buddies. Uh, maybe you have a, a, a difficult time connecting with the right in the right relationships, but, but for some reason you, you gravitate towards the wrong relationships. I want to let you know that, that renewing your mind can change who you are. This is the best time to get control of things. Some of you have, have gotten out of control, but there's no time like the present. As a matter of fact, right now is the best time. I was about to get ahead of myself. I want to share with you not just about the old self, but Paul tells us about the new self, that we're to start in our mind. That, that, that uh, many times we try to focus on the things that we don't do, but today we're going to focus on the things that we should do. And that starts with our mind. Uh, as a matter of fact, some people may not know this, but uh, the Bible tells us that we are responsible for what we think, not just what we do. That's going to be a, a, a new revelation to some people because some people feel like that um, they're only judged for what they do, for if I sin or if I don't sin. You're not sinning to be tempted by anything in your mind, but it is a sin to allow your mind to dwell on that temptation, on that sin. And so we have to try to figure out how to control the way that we, that, the way that we think. Now, this means that we have to remind ourselves who we are. We're children of God. And we've gotten out of the habit of thinking about ourselves with our new nature. We're children of God. We have a new nature in our hearts. We, we are kingdom people. And as such, as people of God, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, listen to this, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought. I mean, think about there's that thought, and you grab a hold of it, and you think to yourself, is this a thought that is obedient to Jesus? And if it is a thought, let it run wild. But if it isn't a thought that is obedient to Jesus, take it captive. Hold it down. Put it in a box. Kick it a few times, and then throw it out of your house. Because that's the way that we should process things in our hearts and our lives. As a, as a matter of fact, the psychology is, is helping us understand the truth in God's word because many times what we've done is we've tried to focus on the sin and not sinning. And that's exactly what the Pharisees used to do. They believed that they could grow closer to God if they were, if they were really good at not sinning. But this may rock some of your uh, uh, theology, but I need to say it anyway. Our salvation is not based on how much or how little we sin. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. 
that means it doesn't matter how much you failed. We have an opportunity today to hold on to a brand new salvation. I want to give you an example of what this might look like. Think about this. Over here, you, you have a, a, a nice Christmas treat that's still sitting in your fridge or on your, on your countertop and you're coming into the new year. And you think to yourself, I better not eat that. I promised myself I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from sweets. And so what do we do? We go over there, stand by it, and we look at it. And we say, I'm not going to eat you. You can't do that to me. And we put caution tape around it. Be careful. There it is. And then we go and journal about it. I better not do it. I've promised myself. And you call your friends up and you say, can you hold me accountable for not eating that? And it's still sitting right there. And that's the picture that we get for the, from the Pharisees. A concentration on what we shouldn't be doing. Can I tell you as a Christian, as a person that doesn't work in your life, it doesn't even make sense when we think about it in that term. What does the Bible tell us? to do? How, how should we handle this through, through God's word? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 and now dear brothers and sisters one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise fix your mind on that stuff so what does the Word of God say that we should do about that cake? Pick it up. Nice knowing you. Get rid of it. Put it in the trash. If you need some help, call my kids. They'll help you. They'll walk it out to the curb for you. And then you go back and you fix your mind on the things that you can do. The things that are right and good and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. Those are the things that we focus on as a people of God and as a church. I'm so excited because psychology has told us, shown us the truth in God's word. That when we try to replace our, or when we try to avoid our behavior, we always end up in the same place. But when we replace our behavior with something else, then we're way more likely to be successful. But as we do this as individuals, it's wonderful, you see, because individuals make up healthy families and healthy families make up a healthy church and healthy churches, they make healthy communities and healthy worlds. And we have the opportunity right now, not only to make decisions about our us as individuals and as families, but change the way that we are as a church. And that's what I want to share with you. There are some resolutions that I'd like to make, some promises as a church that I want to make for ourselves. See, we're people of the Spirit. Do you believe that? 
If we're people of the Spirit, we're Pentecostal. That means that we pray and we have people filled with the Holy Spirit. I want more people filled with the Holy Spirit than any other year before, right here at Christ's Legacy. And over this next month, I want you to pray. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to pray that the Lord would fill you with the Holy Spirit. We're evangelical. That means that we're witnesses. That we tell people what God has done inside of us. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit and he's empowering us to witness, I believe that God has more people this year than ever before that will be saved, that will be won into his kingdom. If you believe that, say amen. 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 We're worshipers. If we are worshipers, that means that we have a heart filled with gratitude to God for what he's done and what he said and who he is. So I want to celebrate Christ more this year than ever before. We're disciples. God's word, we believe, is the foundation, the core of who we are. We want to learn more of God's word than any other year before. We're people of compassion. Telling people how to live is different than helping them find life. I want to help people find life this year. I want this year to be the most compassionate year that we've ever had at Christ's legacy. Amen? So what are some of the things that you're dealing with today? What are some of the ways that you need to change, not just in your body, but in your mind and in your spirit to grow closer to God, to kick out the old stuff and focus on the new stuff? Would you stand with me all over this place? All those statistics tell us that many of us will fail our resolutions by February as people of God, as spirit-filled people, we believe something different. You see, if it's up to us to make our resolu resolutions right, then chances are we're going to fail. But praise the Lord that we can hope and we can depend on the Lord's spirit to empower us. We do this as a people of God. And what better way to celebrate the new year, celebrate Christ, and ask for his empowerment through this year than to remember what he's done for us. If you have a, your communion, would you take it right now in your hands? If you don't have uh, communion available to you, you didn't take it, um, would you simply raise your hand up? I'd like for our ushers to... Uh, to place that in your hands. If you, would you raise your hand if you don't have that? We want to make sure that you get communion. Christ's Legacy is an open communion church. Let me explain what that means. Some churches believe that if you're not a part of their movement or their denomination, that, that you're not saved. Here we believe that if, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a, a, a sinner's death, a death that you and I deserved. And on the third day, he rose again so that you and I could have life. That means you're a Christian. 
That means that you can celebrate, that, you, that means that, that you're not just a part of the Little C Church, but you're a part of the, the church with a capital C. And that one day, you and I are going to spend eternity together. So you better start liking each other. I think some people are going to be surprised when they get to heaven and they see somebody else there. How did you make it? Turns out. I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are waiting on people to get to heaven that anyway. The wonderful thing about communion is simply this. That communion isn't just a way to fellowship with Christ, a way to remember him, but we do communion as a, as a church body together. Some translations talk about being in one accord. Not just a car, but instead, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of feeling that we've all come together with one purpose, and that is to remember what Christ has done for us and be thankful about the past and look forward in the future. As you hold these elements in your hand, you'll look down and you'll notice that the bread is whole. That's you and I. We're whole. He's made us whole. But as many of us have a New Year's resolution to be more whole and more healthy, if Jesus made a resolution, it was this, to be broken for you and I. As we pray, would you break the bread in your hand? Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for this element of your body, this bread that we hold. Lord, it represents the broken body. Lord, that was broken so that we could have life, so that we could have healing. There were stripes upon your back, nails in your hands and in your feet. A crown of thorns was placed on your head. Lord, I ask that you would bring healing to our bodies because of your broken body. In Jesus' name. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some of the bread and gave thanks for it, to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take. Lord, we thank you. In the same manner, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this is the cup of new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remember, remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. That's the wonderful thing. That communion with Christ isn't just about what he's done, but it's a hope 
for what he has in store for us. A hope in the future that we consider the great hope with a capital G. This year, this day, could be the day, the year that Jesus comes back. And you and I get to live in expectation of all that God has promised us. As often as we drink it, let's remember him. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, God, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the great hope and promise that we have in you, Lord. I pray, God, that as we stand here, God, making commitments ourselves, Lord, to ourselves and to you, Lord Jesus, that you would supernaturally empower us to make this year the very best year of our entire lives. Lord Jesus, that you would heal our bodies from the inside out. Lord, that you would bring healing to our spirits. And Lord, that you would cause our, 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 uh, who we are to be empowered for you. That, would, that we would be a people of, of commitment, that we would be a, a, a people of compassion, a, a disciples, Lord, e evangelists, worshipers, so that we could honor you with everything that we have and we could lead people in the same knowledge of who you are. We give you all the praise and glory because we know, God, that's setting before us as a new year. Help us in it, Jesus. As we walk out of here in this new year, I pray that you'll find blessing and peace and prosperity and fullness and health for you and for your family and for all those that you witness to. Thanks for joining us today and come this Wednesday night for a wonderful testimony service. God bless you.